Hello and welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. In this episode, I will be talking to Dr. Nehemiah Mabry, an engineer, educator, and entrepreneur based in Raleigh, North Carolina, about his career, his involvement in STEM, and the inspirational STEM content for students and educators that he puts out there. I'm your host, Jeff Perry. I'm the founder of More Than Engineering, helping engineers and technology professionals with leadership and career coaching to create meaningful careers and lives. And this is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, brought to you by EMI. This is the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Before we get started, I just want to mention that this is a free show and our sponsors help us to keep it free. So I would now like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Washington State University. Washington State University's Engineering and Technology Management Master's Degree Program is a perfect balance of technical and managerial education that helps prepare practicing engineers for managing projects, people, and organizational systems. As one former student noted, the knowledge that I gained from the ETM program helped me become a more competent, confident engineer and manager. The program greatly impacted my career and has been a key element in my continued success. You can learn more about the engineering management profession and program at etm.wsu.edu or email them at etm at wsu.edu. Take charge of your career and reach out today. Now let's jump right in. Now let's jump into the main segment of the episode. Dr. Nee, so excited to have you here on the show. Would love to hear in your own words an introduction. Tell our listeners a little bit more about you and what it is that you do on a daily basis. First of all, it is an honor and a privilege, again, to be with you all here on this podcast. So Nehemiah Mabry, I go by Dr. Nee. I'm an engineer, educator, and entrepreneur. So I do a little bit in all of those spaces. As an engineer, I have a degree, a degrees rather, in structural engineering, subset of civil. And then as an educator, I've been able to work as an adjunct professor at the university level. But as an entrepreneur, this is where my passion really lies. I have a company called STEM Media, and we're an ed tech and media company that seeks to elevate and empower underrepresented, unrealized STEM success. And really uh, inspired by the process of inspiring. And so in many ways, I consider myself a creative, inspirational engineer. Tell us a little bit more about this story about your path in engineering and moving from structural and being a professor. I know you worked at NASA and some yeah. of these different things. Tell us a little bit more about your process and your story and how that's led to what you're doing today. So it kind of starts with my dad, right? He always had recommendations for me growing up. We always sometimes have people in our family that say, hey, you should do this. You should check this out. Well, he was the one that said, Nehemiah, you should consider engineering. And at the time, like I heard the word, but didn't quite know what it was. And it wasn't until the 11th grade I had an opportunity to apply for this NASA summer internship program. That was my first foray into NASA. Um, and I loved it, Jeff. I got to see all different types of things in the laboratory and beyond. So much so that the next summer, I actually applied or volunteered to go back out there and just do it for free. I just walked in the lab and got to know people. This was the summer between high school and college. That kind of led into an undergraduate a degree program. I was able to get back at NASA again from another college-level internship. And then it led to like a fellowship, right? I was able to get some grad school funding, my master's, PhD, 
and sort of went from an intern, high school intern, college intern, to even working about 30 hours a week all throughout my college and grad school experience. And so I love that so much. But I found out one of the things that's really cool is that um, my dad started engineering when he was in college. And at the time, he didn't finish. You know, he had the opportunity to go and get a secure job with the federal government. And then also, like, he didn't feel like he had the community to really stay with it at the time. When I was in school pursuing my engineering degree, he also went back to school and we were in there about the same time. And in fact, we even took a class together. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Very cool. That's awesome. Not everyone gets to do that. Very few yeah, of us. So that's yeah. really cool. Right. So he finished and him finishing, you know, really just showed me like the value of seeing other people do certain things that you yourself aspire towards. It was like a full circle sort of moment for him to finish, for me to eventually get my PhD and then to continue to move on and inspire other people. So that leads us to kind of where you're at now and some of the work that you're doing at STEM Media to show educational content and, and things. I want to understand more about what STEM Media does and the type of content that you're creating for STEM students and professionals and, and companies and how that helps in the community. Help us understand more about that. So it started when I was in school, and I think anybody who's gone through engineering that's listening to this, watching this, you yourself probably even know that not everybody that you start with, you finish with. There's this attrition that takes place, right, between your freshman year intro classes to now when you get into your higher levels and maybe finite element and circuits and all that. And I remember Intel had this campaign when I was in grad school, Stay With It, Engineering Stay With It campaign. And the whole goal was to really continue to encourage people to stay in engineering, right? And get their degrees and go on and, and contribute to the innovation of our country. So I entered into this contest, which was a video contest to really communicate the importance of staying with it, what I'm personally doing to stay with it. And so I got my friend, we were around campus, Jeff, and I was filming what I thought was like the Super Bowl commercial for engineering. Like you couldn't tell me that this thing wasn't worthy for a halftime spot, but I did it. Looking back on it now, it was okay. But the fact of the matter is that at the time, it stood out, right? It was in a talking head video, and I won the national grand prize. And so that was really the beginning of STEM media, because after I won that, people began to say, hey, can you do a video for our after-school program? Can you do something for my engineering classroom to help teach? And so I began to develop sort of the, the skill of content creation, work with other video producers, even while I was still in grad school myself. And so that personal extracurricular activity turned into a business. And then as a business, what began to happen is, you know, not only did the concrete co content quality improve, began to expand the network, but the opportunity to really hone in on the young professional niche, ages 18 to 35, for training and for recruitment, but then also having a special emphasis in the underrepresented communities in engineering. By that, I mean Black, Hispanic, you know, Indigenous communities who are underrepresented numerically in STEM fields than they are compared to the general population of our country. And so that's all kind of what we do, uh, whether it be for higher ed or whether it be for corporations that's looking to, you know, really strengthen their talent pool and their workforce. STEM Media serves as a media production company and a community, much like this platform, right, to be able to connect and empower people in their career development. How are organizations and educational institutions utilizing this content that you're creating in some creative ways? Give us some examples here. So we've been able to work with some major universities. I won't say too many names other than my alma mater, NC State University. Shout out to them. We've done a lot of work with them as well. Where we've been able to produce like video series 
to speak to certain aspects of career development, whether it be soft skills like networking or interviewing skills, or even some more what they consider hard skills, such as research practices or you know, ethics as it relates to integrity as a professional engineer, things of that nature. So creating this content has been traditionally the case. However, now within the last year, 2020, we began to build our platform, which we have a platform that allows uh, not only for the hosting of newly created content, but a lot of things that we've already created can be offered to student populations at universities who want to really strengthen or supplement their career services or supplement their training for certain careers. Corporations have sponsorship opportunities, which we've been able to do through our events and so forth, as well as job posting, job opportunities, letting people know what's out there and available. So all these are the services that we offer that we've been able to do in, in a variety of ways contractually. That's a lot of different angles. And so we can see just how you can get creative with some of the ways that we can have impact with on some of these things. That's excellent. So you talked about that Intel competition. Is that the same as, I understand you also took place in a video competition with the National Academy of Engineering. Was that the same or were they different things? That was actually different. And it's funny you say that because the Intel one was really the one that kicked off the career. That was in 2012. That's really what kicked off. And let me just say this real quick. Shout out to Anthony, your co-host, because when I got to NC State, it was a semester before that contest. He did a workshop on campus. And I remember he had like a book, Engineering Your Career, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he presented on that. And I remember that being a key part and even this really my personal inspiration as it relates to trying to help people as I'm also pursuing an engineering career. But to get back to your question, so that was 2012, the Intel, and I entered that really just as an individual. So it was about four years later in 2016 that the National Academy of Engineering had done a campaign, similar campaign about engineering. And at that time, I was already STEM Media. Like STEM Media was already a company. I had people I was working with, partners. And so that was the opportunity to, as a company, say, all right, hey, do we still got it? You know what I mean? Was that just lightning striking once? Like, is there an opportunity to, now that this is something that is being done for real, for real, will it be acknowledged on that level? And sure enough, we were able to win that national grand prize. And I think that was actually international. We had some others involved, other countries involved as well. So that was really cool. So where did that take you and STEM Media after that? And how has that continued to benefit things, winning that grand prize? What did that mean for you continuing forward from that point? It means a lot in a number of ways. And sometimes it takes a while to even see it. Every time you're able to go to a new domain or just even to a new place geographically, you're meeting people, right? You're connecting people. You're creating reference points for others that really may not be referred to or used maybe a year or two down the road. And so being able to now have something that has been validated, so to speak, by the National Academy of Engineering, it sort of gives credibility to what you do. And that's important. I wouldn't say it's everything, but it's really helpful when you are doing something that's a little different, a little out of the box, because a lot of people are used to what they've seen before. And for me, being an engineer slash media producer, those titles don't really exist a lot on Indeed. You know what I mean? Or you don't really see those on going across your LinkedIn feed too often, right? So being able to now having something that's more, I guess, a traditional legacy organization as the National Academy of Engineering, recognize the new and I feel more innovative work online and in digital media, social media, and STEM media, it sort of does a great job of showing that there is validity, there's substance 
beyond just, hey, I just felt like posting this, you know, one night when I was bored on Instagram. There's actually a value when it comes to empowering, encouraging, engaging, and exciting people about this field of engineering. I just want to take a quick break here and once again recognize our sponsor for this podcast episode, Washington State University. The Engineering and Technology Management Program at Washington State University is a systematic approach to professional development for practicing engineers to shift from fully technical positions into leading technical employees and systems. A fully online master's degree program, students take classes at night and often implement class lessons in their positions at work before the next class. Learn more about a master's degree in engineering and technology management at etm.wsu.edu or email them at etm at wsu.edu. Take charge of your career and reach out today. I know a big part of of your work and your niche is is helping to promote diversity and underrepresented groups in, in STEM and engineering. So just curious to get your perspective on how can engineers and engineering organizations and those who hire engineers think about increasing diversity in STEM and, and building a more diverse and dynamic workforce? That's a really great question, and I'm glad that you asked it. It really starts with being intentional. And a lot of times we are unintended in our contributions to things that aren't the way they should be simply because we just haven't like made it an intention to go in the other direction, right? Once the stream starts flowing, it just continues to flow. So really all you got to do is just lay in it and you're going in the same direction. But you have to intentionally say, all right, let's start putting some things here. Let's put some structure in place. Let's put some rocks. Let's create a dam here, maybe that we can divert the stream just a little bit because we see that there needs to flow in other ways as well. So that being said, when someone asks you, hey, you know, if an intern we can bring in, I'm a small engineering firm, I want to bring in an intern. You know, what do we typically do? We start thinking about our own network. All right, who do I know? Who did I speak to more recently? And if our community or our, our default network isn't that diverse, then more than likely the percentage of likelihood that you're going to find someone diverse when you're thinking of a possible intern is going to be very low. So it starts even before you get that question, intentionally placing yourself in environments where you can more diversify your own network, your own community. And it takes being uncomfortable. And I say this all the time and not to really like this is in no form of any shame or anything. But like as a black person, we are far more often in environments where we're the minority. So it's a normal for us, no matter whether we're going to get our car worked on, we're going to the grocery store, like society, we are numerically less and less of a percentage. It really takes individuals who are not, that's more of the norm for to intentionally go and find themselves in environments where maybe they are the minority. Now, the thing is, that doesn't instantly feel good, right? And sometimes it's like, oh, this is weird. Not because there's any type of discrimination all the time, but sometimes it's just discomfort. And so there, it takes a intentionality, placing yourself in areas of discomfort, so that now you have the opportunity to know a good electrical engineer to ref- recommend when someone's looking for an electrical engineer to hire, or you know a good software engineer because you were intentionally at an environment and you got to shake hands and get to know people that weren't in your default circle as a suggestion and really as a challenge of how we can make sure we have an opportunity to diversify our workforce a bit more. So even just putting ourselves in those situations to interact with more diverse groups of people gives us that opportunity to have that more in the forefront of the mind when those opportunities come up. If we're being intentional and building more diverse teams, how is that going to actually have a positive impact on the organization when we do that in an intentional way? 
There are numerous reports. I most recently think of is one from the Brookings Institute that showed that companies that have more diverse individuals and more specifically people in influential positions, uh, leaders and you're seeing engineers and so forth, have 19% higher revenues due to the innovation that comes from being diverse. So it's not just for many people who may feel like, oh, this is just, I better do this before I get shamed or there's this new wave, this passing trend that I want to be a part of just so I don't look racist or whatever, right? No, there's actually good for the bottom line. And so if there is a way for you to literally make your revenues, your company's revenues higher simply by being intentional in that regard, as you mentioned, then why not do it? Then beyond even just the bottom line, money, right? You become a more uh, well-rounded individual the more you are able to understand things from a perspective that's not your own. Very often, people can cast aspersions and, and speak negatively about certain lifestyles or just certain ways of life because it has never been subjective to them as an individual, never been any type of like touch point. And so the more that we intentionally put ourselves in the environment, it can help us have people in mind for when we're talking about careers. But then on the back end, when we happen to be in environments that are more diverse, I mean, let's face it, the, the workforce is getting more diverse every and every year. We're 10 years from now, I think it's predicted another study, 2032 in a decade, the majority of the workforce is going to be individuals of color. Now, just think about that, right? So how are you going to function in that future workforce if you're not taking the opportunity now to be more culturally astute and, and to be more relatable to just diverse communities? So those are some of the benefits I would submit to you. Yeah. So even aside from the business impact, which research shows is there even just from a personal development standpoint, having different perspectives and understanding and be able to relate with people from different backgrounds and cultures and things is going to help us as an individual, as leaders, certainly, as we move forward and uh, certainly in trying to drive the impact and the innovation that when we're talking about, you know, STEM and engineering, I'm a huge believer and I'm sure you are too, that yeah. STEM and engineering is a huge part of solving some of the big problems that we have today and we need huge. to work together across organizations and cultures to figure out some of these answers. Absolutely. Just to give you another number, right? This isn't just feel good. 70% of our nation's GDP, and I'm just talking about the United States, 69% to be exact, has been attributed, directly attributed to STEM. We're not even talking about like indirect, but like directly attributed. So you're talking about 70% of where the expansion and the innovation and all the advancement we have as a country being from these fields it is incredibly important that we move the knobs and move the needles where it can actually give us, I use the word advantage, or just a, a leg up in terms of innovation. We need to do that. We need to look at that. So there's just a lot of benefit, I think, from looking in this direction. Across your career and, and what you've been doing with the media, you're an engineer, but you're also doing entrepreneurship and creating yeah. content and stuff. So for engineers who are maybe thinking about entrepreneurship, whether owning their own firm or having side things going on, what would you say about entrepreneurship and how that can be helpful or important for engineers, even if they want to stick with a traditional career path or considering an entrepreneurship path eventually as well? I love entrepreneurship. You know, I used to say that, man, I haven't found a job description that's exactly what I'm looking for. Everything has something, some things don't. If there is one, entrepreneurship is it. And that's not really a job description. That's almost like a calling. And so I would start by saying that not everyone necessarily needs to be entrepreneur at any given part of their lives. Like 
Some people may need to grow into it. Some people may need to learn under somebody else. Some people may just say, hey, I'm cool with going as high as maybe number two, but I'm going to go ahead and follow the vision of someone else. I would say first, again, like kind of assess where you are, because sometimes we do a good job of glamorizing entrepreneurship as if this is like sitting on the beach all day, you know, drinking mimosas and people doing the work on you and you just seeing your bank account roll up. I'm not going to say that doesn't exist, but I don't know anybody personally. That's an entrepreneur. Is it? Personally, I don't know anybody like that. So I have yet to meet that person other than on an ad online. Right? Maybe we just need to expand our networks a little bit more, huh? Maybe so. Like, yeah, I'm missing out, right? I need to click on more of those ads. I don't know. In the realm of entrepreneurship, some of the beauty for me is there is just something special, right? And this is the reason why I went to engineering, of having an idea and seeing something that was once in your head that maybe was on a sheet of paper or a sketch coming to fruition. And entrepreneurship is like that feeling that we get in engineering, but times 100. Because there are so many other aspects to it. It's not just the calculations and the, the materials involved that we consider as engineers. It's also the people the hiring of people and, and you're relating to them. It's the ability to communicate the value that you offer. You go into a job, sometimes you're not even worried about selling it. You just know that like, this is the project we have and I'm working on it. Well, as an entrepreneur, you have to figure out, okay, who's actually going to pay for this at the end of the day? And then what am I going to do if say the individuals who are instrumental in getting it done, say one have a life event, or the other person has to like go and take another opportunity. Like these are other problems that when it's all said and done, because we're going to speak as if things are going to work out, right? That's what we want to say, which is optimism. We have to keep that in entrepreneurship. But when it all works out, you're able to sit back and say, man, there were so many times along the way where there were problems that arose that I need to figure out. So now the solution, the victory, the accomplishment feels that much more satisfying and fulfilling. I'll say that of entrepreneurship, unless you have any specific questions, but I can really go on for days on entrepreneurship. You talked about that process of creation and the people that you're working with, but also the impact, as much as you can see the impact on the people that you're serving, whether that's through products or through services or content or whatever that looks like. But hearing the stories of how that impacted people and you're sharing from Anthony, like, hey, Anthony came and gave a talk and talked about a book and how that influenced you, you know, yeah. like 10 years ago. That's how this stuff happens, whether or not that turns into dollars and cents, but the impact, we talked about that word, like a calling of entrepreneurship in some way. It's just so fun and rewarding. It's hard to get in other ways when you get to see the impact. And you also have to know that you're not always going to see it all either. Like you're not going to hear every story and that's okay, no. but you just keep pushing and you enjoy you the, know, the journey. You know that is making a difference. You know that it's making a difference. Yeah. Absolutely. So this has been such a fun conversation here, Dr. Nee. So as we finish off this main portion of the episode, any final piece of advice you'd give to engineers and engineering firms out there? I'll go back to what we already missed on, you know, be intentional about building a robust, qualified workforce. And yes, that means finding other perspectives and talent in other communities other than your own. And being intentional to make sure that your work environment is one that is supportive and welcoming of that talent, of that culture so that ultimately you can produce so much more, you can make so much more, and that the world can be so much more. Then in addition to the individual who may not necessarily be the person that is higher in influence on that process, I would say to you as an individual, don't underestimate the contribution that you can make. And this is in general, because I do believe that everyone has a unique set of experiences, talents and skills, passions, 
noticed needs and things of that nature that allow you to provide something that only you can provide. And so don't hold back, you know, bring the world, which you only you can provide the world because the world is waiting. The world is waiting on what you have to offer. At this point, we're going to transition into the Take Action Today segment of the show where we'll get one final piece of actionable advice from Dr. Nee. We'll be right back. Before we end here, I would like to recognize our other sponsor for this episode, SSAI, Science Systems and Applications. Are you an engineer looking for an exciting career in the aerospace industry? Do you want to help design and build the next generation of satellites to monitor the health of the Earth, explore our neighbors in the solar system, and study the composition of the universe? Then you'll want to check out SSAI. From hardware to software, testing, calibration, validation, mission operations, and more. Join our team of engineers working on exciting projects such as the Dragonfly mission to Saturn's moon Titan, the capture, containment, and return system for the next Mars sample return mission, and the Nancy Grace Roman Space Telescope, which will unravel the secrets of dark energy and dark matter in our universe. SSAIers help design, build, test, and launch the iconic James Webb Space Telescope, the most powerful telescope ever launched into space, and one that will be able to see the formation of the first galaxies and give us detailed information on potentially habitable exoplanets. Others contributed to the recently launched GOES-18 satellite, the latest in a series of weather satellites designed for better detection and monitoring of storms, hurricanes, lightning, smoke, as well as provide improved air quality warnings, safer flight paths, and more accurate monitoring of radiation hazards. If you see yourself working in a fast-paced, rewarding career that directly contributes to projects helping to improve our understanding of the world we live in, check out www.ssaihq.com today to apply for open positions. Dr. Nee, this has been such a fun conversation. Now it's time for the Take Action Today segment of the show. So as we end off here... What's the final piece of actionable advice that you would give to our listeners, engineers and engineering leaders out there on what they can do to move forward based on what we talked about today and and take action on? As an engineer turned entrepreneur slash media producer, uh, I would encourage people to document their story. In other words, create content about what you do. Now, I'm not saying you need to turn yourself into a TikTok dancer or influencer or anything of that nature. But there needs to be something outside of just going to work or sitting behind your computer and sitting at home that allows your story and what you do to get out beyond just the circle that you're in. So whether that means taking a picture, putting it on a social media platform, saying, hey, I really enjoy working on this project today, whether it means getting on Twitter and just kind of putting a tweet, maybe some website that is your go-to website whenever you're trying to find calculations, like document your journey or just grabbing your phone, putting it up, and recording how it felt once you finally completed whatever task, design task, or calculation you were really banging your head on. And so document your story because those digital roses, as one rapper calls it, uh, those digital footprints are opportunities for someone someday to see it and be inspired about it. And as we said, we never know who that might be or what that might lead to, but we have to make sure that we make it happen. So that's what I would say. Document today your story in some way, some form or fashion. Everyone's going to get a lot of value out of this. So if people are wanting to go further, connect with you and what you're doing at STEM Media and other things, where are the best places that you would send them to connect? 
I would send them to stemmedia.com, S-T-E-M-E-D-I-A.com, uh, one M. And if you want to become a part of our community, we like to keep a lot of things available at stemmedia.com slash free. So you can check that out. That kind of alternates what we like to kind of give away free and people. So check out stemmedia.com uh, slash free whenever you're listening to this. Feel free to reach out to me and connect to me on social media, whether it be Twitter or Instagram. My handle is at Nehemiah Mabry. Wish you and STEM Media nothing but continued success for all the work that you're doing. Thanks so much. Likewise. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. You can go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in the episode as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books that we mentioned. And don't forget to check out any upcoming live webinars also at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Additionally, for any engineers who are struggling and need help taking the next career step, I've created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org, and we'll help you engineer your own success.